Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want you to look down to verse 14, and we're going to read down into chapter 3 as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, you follow along. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Now, the message this morning is, is going to be in two parts, and I'm going to finish it this afternoon. So we're going to be in this text again this afternoon, and I encourage you, if you're here this morning, come back in the afternoon uh, because we're going to continue on and finish out this portion of Scripture. And I want to walk through this, unpack these verses, and uh, give you what the Word of God is teaching. And the Apostle Paul is describing three different kinds of people in this passage of Scripture. And we're going to talk about all three of those kinds of people. Two of them we'll talk about this morning. The last one we'll talk about this afternoon. We started in verse 14 there, and the Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. You might say, okay, what is Paul actually talking about here? Well, we need to go back in the context a little bit, and so that we can get a, a good grasp of what of what the Apostle Paul has been writing to the church in Corinth. And what Paul has been doing is that he's been comparing the world's wisdom and the world's way of thinking with God's. And God's wisdom and God's uh, way of thinking. And according to the world, the things of God are foolishness. They're foolishness to, uh, to the world. Part of the, the problem that was going on in the church at Corinth was that they were operating still in human wisdom. They'd been saved, they'd been born again, their, their lives had been changed, but there were still these things, this way of thinking that was influencing them, maybe a, a way of thinking from their past, maybe a way of thinking from other people. It was still influencing the minds and the hearts of the people in the church at Corinth. And so Paul has been comparing the world's wisdom with God's wisdom and, and even stating, and he says in verse 14, that the things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to those in the world and to the natural man. So God's wisdom is also something that Paul says the world cannot attain to. They can't understand it. Look in verse 7. He says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the, before, or before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, 
they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so Paul says here that the, the, the wisdom of God and spiritual things, the world can't attain to. He says we speak it in a mystery. The word mystery there is the Greek word mysterion, and it means something that's held in secret. And it doesn't refer to something that is strange or puzzling. Man, that's a mystery. Hmm, strange or puzzling. It's not talking about that. It's talking about something that is held in secret intentionally. In other words, God has intentionally withheld His wisdom from the natural man who operates in his own wisdom or in the wisdom of the world. God has intentionally withheld it. Now, how do we apply that? How do we make an illustration out of that? Well, this is, this is the very reason why a person can sit under the sound of the gospel and hear the preaching of the word of God, and they can continually reject God after much preaching because the truth of God does not register and the truth of God does not find lodging in their heart because God knows what their heart is and he intentionally withholds his wisdom to a heart that is not open to the things of God. It's the reason one can regularly not be blessed and instructed by the Word of God, even as a Christian, if their heart is not right with the Lord. You know what? There are times when even saved people can be operating, operating in the wisdom of the world or in their own wisdom and understanding, and their heart is not right with God, and they come to church, and sermons seem dull and boring and not rich, and they don't want to be here, if they even read their Bible at all. They're not really finding peace for their soul. They're not finding direction from it. They're not being fed with spiritual food because God is withholding from them His wisdom and His truth because of their own heart. But he, Paul says here that the world... Uh, doesn't even receive or doesn't even, uh, uh, aren't able to have the wisdom of God. And he says, if they actually had the wisdom of God, in verse 8, the princes of the world, if they had known it, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Eternal truths are not something that is perceived by the world or the natural men. Look at verse 9. He says, but as it is written... I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Eternal truths are, are things that are not perceived by natural means and the natural man. Now, Paul says, it's, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man, you can't even imagine it, the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. Now, we like to use that verse when we're thinking about, you know, heaven and we're thinking about the glory of God and, and so on, that, that it's not even entered into our minds the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. We like to use the verse in that way, and I think there's an application for it, certainly. But contextually, that's not what the Apostle Paul is saying. Contextually, what he is saying is that uh, the wisdom of God and to be able to, to receive spiritual truth, God has prepared that for believers, not for people in this world. His point is that natural eyes and natural ears and natural hearts of men cannot comprehend and know the wisdom of God. It's reserved for those who actually love Him. 
Ooh, wow. That's deep because that can even apply to Christian people, saved people, who actually love themselves more than they love God. And he says eternal truths are not perceived by natural means, your eyes and your ears. No, those are things that come from God. The wisdom of God, it's reserved for people who actually love God. And so he's been comparing the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And he gets down to verse 10, down through verse 14, and he's, and he's talking about eternal truths being spiritually discerned. The eternal things, the spiritual things have to be discerned from spiritual means. Look at verse 10. He says, but God hath revealed them, those spiritual things, God hath revealed them unto us, by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God." Which things also we speak, not in the world's uh, words of which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So you see what the Apostle Paul is describing here and saying here is that spiritual things, eternal things, the wisdom of God, it's got to be discerned from spiritual means. He says those things are made by the Spirit of God to the Spirit of man. Just like you and I can understand each other's emotions and our feelings because we have human spirits about us, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Notice how he says that in verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of man? save the spirit of man which is in him. It's how we know what a person is thinking. We, it's how we know what a person is feeling. We understand each other's emotions and so on. We can discern that because we have these human spirits. Even so, he says, the things of God are the same way. The only way that you can understand the spiritual things of God is if the Holy Spirit is in you and giving you that understanding. That's what he's talking about. And so he says, if we're to understand anything of the truth of God, it's got to be revealed by His Spirit. Look at verse 12. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Notice how he says that, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In other words, the truths of God have got to be evaluated on a spiritual plane. They cannot be evaluated on a natural or physical understanding. People try to define what they see in the world with natural means. You know, I understand 
because of the natural means. But there are supernatural things. There are supernatural things that you cannot and mankind cannot explain by natural means. Spiritual things have to be compared with spiritual. In other words, rationalism cannot reason out God or His truth. Then Paul goes on and makes this really profound statement in verse 14. He says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. And here's the reason why. Because they are spiritually discerned. In our text verses this morning, which is verse 14 down through verse 4 of chapter 3, Paul reveals three different kinds of people. He reveals the natural man, the spiritual man, and then the carnal man. And all three of these are described in our text. And we're going to take the first two this morning, the natural man and the spiritual man. And then this afternoon, we're going to talk about the carnal man. And I want us to ask this question as we begin here, which man are you? Everybody following this? Which man are you? There's three here, the natural man, the spiritual man, and the carnal man. Which one are you? Let's pray and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand your word today. And Lord, I pray that the word would grip the heart. And Lord, that the minds of each individual here would be ready to engage. Lord, be honest with themselves and with you and with the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us according to your will that you might be glorified. Would you receive the glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first man that Paul talks about here is the natural man. In verse 14, he says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. Do you know, I think a lot of people could relate to this, but... It's possible to read the Bible and yet not understand what it's saying. How many people are in that camp or in that boat where they've tried to open up the Word of God, they've tried to open up the Bible and they read through it and like, I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. I don't know what it's saying. I don't know how to interpret it. I would interpret it this way, but then you hear maybe the preacher or somebody else say, this is what the Word of God means, and you're just like, I didn't know that. I don't understand that. And there's hard words in there to read, and I just don't get it. And maybe at times, many times, they've tried to read the Bible. Maybe at other times, they've tried to even memorize some of the Bible, and they still cannot grasp the truth of what the Bible is saying. I think an example of that in the Bible itself would be the scribes and the Pharisees. Up here, up here, pay attention, please, right here. The scribes and the Pharisees of Jesus' day are a great example of this because they were highly trained in the Old Testament scriptures. They knew the Torah. They knew the Old Testament. Except for this, the problem was that they completely missed the central meaning of the Old Testament scriptures. 
which pointed to the Messiah, which pointed to Jesus Christ. And as, as they understood, looking for the Messiah to come, here is Jesus Christ who lives in front of them. If they really understood the truth, they would see that every part of Jesus' life and how he lived it out, he was fulfilling prophecy concerning the Messiah. How could they miss it? How could they miss miracles being done? And even the the Pharisees themselves saying, nobody can do this except God be with him. How could they completely miss it, overlook the fact that a miracle, supernatural, just happened? And they go on to something else, and they say, oh, he, he only does that by the power of the devil. House divided against itself cannot stand. How could they miss it? Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. He's not even capable. And the point I'm making here is, they have the Old Testament Scriptures. They completely missed the promised Messiah, which was Jesus Christ, who was walking among them. They didn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, they seemed foolish to them. Why? Because they didn't even belong to God themselves even though they said they did. They couldn't understand because the things of God are spiritually discerned. You know what the word discern here means? The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. The word discern here, it means to determine or to investigate. And the implication is that the spiritual things, um, I'm able to investigate and then I'm able to determine what it means. The natural man doesn't have the ability to do that. So the natural man is a person who lives naturally. In other words, what it means, he lives his life in the old nature of his flesh. The way that you were born, the way that you come into this world, we're born sinners We're born not in a relationship with God. You don't have to teach a little baby how to tell lies. You don't have to teach a little baby how to throw fits. It comes naturally to us to do wrong because that's what we are in our nature. The natural man, is uh, he lives his life according to the nature of his sinful flesh. Why is it that people are bent toward doing wrong? And why is it that cultures and society are bent toward going downhill and more and more vice and more and more wickedness? Why is it that mankind is bent toward just messing his life up? Why? Because our natural heart is wicked and deceitful. That's what we are. And the natural man comes along and he's like, oh, I want to fix my life or oh, I want to change some things about my life. And oh, I've got to get spiritual and I go to the Bible and I just can't understand it. Why? Because it's determined by spiritual means and there's no spirit within to help us understand and give us the meaning. Everybody following me here? This is the natural man. The one who lives according to his old sinful flesh, he lives his life in the old nature. Simply put, the natural man is a lost man. The natural man is not a saved man. The natural man does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's not a child of God. 
And people's like, well, I don't understand why I can't. I read the Bible, I just can't understand it. The reason for that is because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have the Holy Spirit living within you to help discern the spiritual things from the Spirit of God. Man, when I was, before I was saved, before I was saved, I even grew up in a Christian home, and I was, I was taught Christian truth, the Bible, all my life. I knew those things. I memorized so much of this book, even as a kid. I memorized those things, and yet the truths of those things had not found root in my heart in life. Why? Because I wasn't saved. I didn't have the Spirit of God. And it wasn't until I came to a place of repentance and I saw myself as a, as a wretched sinner before God who's in trouble with God. I'm condemned because I've broken God's law. And it caused me to run to Christ in, in repentance and faith. And God changed my life. He saved my soul. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, like suddenly, I'd read this book and it's like, I know what that means. I understand that. Why do I understand that? Because now I have the Holy Spirit of God living within to give me discernment and understanding. And my life has never been the same. I've grown in my relationship with God and my knowledge of Jesus Christ and my understanding of the Scriptures. Why? Because the Spirit of God is the one who imparts that understanding. When people say, I just don't get it, I don't understand it, it's because the truth hasn't found lodging because there's no Spirit to give understanding. A natural man is a lost man. And it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter how much we claim to be a Christian. It doesn't matter what we think. What matters is, does the Spirit of God dwell within? And I, I know this for a fact, that many can testify of the very same thing. The moment that a person got saved, all of a sudden they started understanding the Word of God. Like never before. Amen! Amen. Because they're spiritually discerned. It's determined by spiritual means. It's given by the Spirit of God. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, it's foolishness. And when it talks about foolishness, it can mean like, ugh, the things of God, I don't want that. But it can also mean it's foolishness in the fact that it doesn't make sense. No, it's not going to make sense. In fact, Paul says, neither can he know them. You're not even equipped. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. And so this passage shows us two things about the natural man. As we consider the natural man, before we get into the spiritual, this verse shows us two things about him. First of all, he doesn't appreciate the things of God. The natural man does not have an appreciation or a love or a craving or a desire for the things of God. The things of God are foolishness to the natural man. The word foolishness is where it comes from a Greek word that we get our English word moron from. You know, when you call somebody a moron, like, ugh, you're a moron. Like, we don't connect. That's just stupid. You're a moron. That's kind of how we use the word moron. And it kind of has that same meaning, even in the original language here, or where we get our English word moron from. To the lost man, the things of God, the spiritual things, are kind of moronic. 
That's kind of how they feel. You've heard people, even, even political figures, you know, who stand and say, oh, you Christians, you just use the Bible as a crutch. And like, we're so elite. We're so much more advanced than you. you just, you're just little Christians over there. And you got to have your little crutches and so on. They think the things of God and spiritual things are moronic. I don't need that in my life. You know, people who are wealthy people, they have all of their money and they have everything. What do I need God for? What do I need the things of God for? I can take care of myself. You understand? That's kind of how the world thinks. That's the natural man. How he thinks of the things of God. It's moronic. I don't need that in my life. It's why people can live their life and maybe they don't have some antagonism toward Christianity, but they just aren't interested. I don't need that in my life right now. How many times have I heard people say, you know what, maybe someday when I'm a little older and a little more settled, I'll get, I'll get more serious about God. You know, me and the big man, we've got a vibe. It's okay. It's all right. But someday I'll get more serious about the things of God. I've heard people say that so many times. I don't need it right now in my life. Things are going okay. I don't need spiritual things. Or, like me, growing up in some Christianity or form of it, and hearing and learning, and this is how my life was, but there was no heart inside of me to want to, to, uh, to, to crave it, to pursue it, because it wasn't real in me. And so as I got older, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted it out there. I wanted to go out there in the world. I wanted to find out what was there. I wanted to experience that. I'm out. I'm gone. How many times have I seen that in young people? Why do they leave? Why do they go? What draws them to the things of the world? Why? Because it's not in their heart, in their soul. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no Holy Spirit there. They are not saved people. I don't say that to be offensive. That is absolutely the truth, my friend. Maybe you're here today and that's you. You found yourself running. You found yourself wanting to know what's out there. You found yourself departing. Like, I don't even know. I don't want that. I don't really need that. I'm going to go find out what's out here. Why? There's no Holy Spirit of God within. That was me. That's why I know it's true. Maybe you're here this morning. You need to take a good look. You need to look inside, friend. You need to be honest with yourself and with God. That's what you need to do. We're talking about, Paul says, the natural man. This is the kind of man that doesn't know the things of God. He doesn't receive the things of God because there's no spirit of God. And the question is, which man are you? It doesn't matter what you say. What you say means nothing. It's what God knows to be true. And you've got to come to the place where you're willing to admit it's true of you too. I don't like you, Pastor Demlo. I'm sorry. I don't need, I don't, I'm not trying to be offensive in my manner. The truth might be offensive to some, but then if it is, good. Good. You need it. Because God's trying to reach you. God is trying to speak to you. He doesn't respond, the natural man. He doesn't understand. 
he doesn't appreciate the spiritual things. And sometimes when he's exposed to it, and he's exposed to the things of God, he's exposed to spiritual expression, he's exposed to the Word of God, he's exposed to truth, sometimes the natural man will become very uncomfortable when the truth is being spoken. And he'll usually respond in one of three ways. He'll hear that, not like it, and so he drops out. I don't want to go back. I don't want to be a part of it. Because it makes me uncomfortable. He'll move out, or he'll lash out. I've had lots of people lash out. When you're trying to give truth, and you say, hey, friend, this is the truth about you, and this is what God says, and their response is one of vitriol and disgust and hate. Why? Because it's the things of God that are getting right to the heart, and it exposes them for what they are, and they don't like it. The natural man doesn't appreciate the things of God. You know what happens in a, to a spiritual man? We'll get to this in a little while. But when the truth of God even is given that exposes something in their life that isn't right, that the spiritual man has a completely different response to the things of God. And it brings about maybe some conviction in his heart, but there's something inside of him that says, I want to be pleasing to God. And there's this humble submission typically to the spiritual man that says, I want to cooperate and in line with God's truth because he appreciates it. Because it's spiritual, not the natural man. He doesn't appreciate the things of God. The second thing that's revealed in this verse, as Paul says, their foolishness unto him. He doesn't appreciate spiritual things. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. He doesn't receive the things of God because he's not equipped to receive the things of God. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. It literally means that he's not equipped to handle the things of God. His spiritual life, there is no spiritual life because he's still dead in his sins. That's what Ephesians 2 and verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses in sins. And in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. You lived according to the natural man, Paul says in Ephesians 2. That's who you were. But God has made you alive. He's spiritually made you alive. And therefore, you can respond to spiritual things. But the natural man doesn't receive them. He's not equipped to. And therefore, he simply cannot grasp spiritual things. A man who is physically dead, he can't respond to physical stimulus, right? And by the same token, a, a person who's spiritually dead doesn't respond to spiritual stimulus unless it's the Holy Spirit of God convicting him of his sin to bring him to a place of repentance. But when you're talking about the great truths of God and you're talking about, about the love of God and you're talking about all these wonderful truths of God, the natural man's like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't see it. I don't understand it.
A man cannot rejoice in the richness of God's truths. They don't stir up his soul. They don't stir up his spirit because there's no spirit within. You know, man is a triune or three-part being. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with me. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want you to look in verse 23. Paul says this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are a triune or three-part being. The natural man is two parts alive, his, his, soul and, his body and his soul. But the primary part, the part of him that can know and respond to God, is dead. Spiritually dead. And God's Word is spiritually evaluated. It's spiritually discerned. It's spiritually understood. And the natural man is spiritually dead, and he needs to be made spiritually alive. Only God can do that. Well, how does a man get spiritually alive? Well, he's got to be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't discern or see or understand the kingdom of God, the spiritual things. You might be here today, and a lot of what I've said has described you. You don't understand the word of God, the things of God. They don't stir your soul. In fact, you kind of think that's kind of foolish maybe sometimes. Maybe even you grew up in a Christian home, but the truth of God has never found lodging in your heart and in your life. There might be a lot of things that I have said that have described some of you. The question is, what man are you? Who are you? Are you a natural man? An unsaved person? Is that why these things are describing you? Could you be a natural man still? That's a good question. Because Paul says the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. The question is, are you saved? Are you a spiritual man? Now, let's move on, because in verses 15 and 16, go back to our text in 1 Corinthians 2. Paul describes a different kind of person. Not the same as the natural man. He says in verse 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The spiritual man has the mind of Christ. The spiritual man has the Spirit of God. Now let's unpack these verses here. Because there's some good truth and some meaning in here. The spiritual man is one who lives supernaturally. And what I mean by that is he lives 
on a spiritual plane or lives with a spiritual life. He lives his life not in the old dead nature, not according to the will of the flesh, but he lives his life in the power of the Spirit of God. The spiritual man and every saved person has two natures. You've got your old sin nature still. That's your old nature from Adam, who is the first human being who fell into sin. And because of Adam's sin, death passes upon all men for that all have sinned. Romans 5.12. That's our natural state. But when we come to a place where we receive the conviction of the Spirit of God about our sin, we understand our lost condition before God, and in repentance toward God, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're made a brand new creature. A spiritual life is given to us, and now we're made alive. Okay? Everybody understand? There's a lot more there, but for the sake of time, that's where we need to go. The spiritual man has a spiritual life. He doesn't live according to the old nature. He lives life in the power of the Spirit. The spiritual man and every saved person has two natures. So you have your old nature, but now you have a new nature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ or saved, he is, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. And old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now we have a new nature. The old fleshly nature, the spiritual nature. The spiritual man is one who allows Christ to rule in his life. Jesus is not just present. He's not just a part of life. A lot of religious people, well, we go to church. Jesus is a part of my life. That's what they think. Okay? But a spiritual man, a person who's truly saved, who has the Spirit of God, Jesus is just not a part of my life. Jesus is preeminent in my life, meaning that He is Lord of my life. He's my master, I submit to His will. Jesus doesn't reside through the Spirit of God in the natural man. But He lives in the spiritual man, through the Holy Spirit. He presides over that life. That's what a spiritual man is. He's a saved man. He's a born-again man who has the Spirit of God living within. Now, these verses give us some characteristics of the spiritual man's life. Notice this. First of all, he's capable of understanding. In verse 15, he says, He that is spiritual judgeth all things. Now we need to understand what that word judgeth means. It doesn't mean like, oh, I'm judging you and like, oh, you know, we're sitting in judgment one of another. It doesn't mean that. Like you do something and you just know people are judging you for it. It's not that. He says the spiritual man judgeth all things. It means to examine and it means to understand. The word means to understand. So the spiritual man is capable of understanding. The spiritual man is alive in the Spirit of God. He's equipped by the Holy Spirit of God, and he's able to grasp the truth of God. That is why when this book is read, all of a sudden my eyes are open, and my understanding is more clear, and it's like, whoa! I understand that. He's capable of understanding. He judgeth 
all things. He understands things. He's equipped because of the Spirit of God. It's not foolishness to him, but it's a fountain of life for him. You know what? That's a major difference that people just don't get and understand. The spiritual things are the things of God. They're a fountain of life to me, to the one who's truly saved. Let me illustrate it for you. We were just talking about this in Sunday school. We're talking about separation in Sunday school. And separation means to be set apart. There's four words in the Bible that really all have kind of the same meaning. There's holiness, there's saint, there's sanctification, and there's separation. All of those have the basic same root and same meaning. It means to be set apart. All right? We're set apart unto God, and we're set apart from ungodliness or from the world. And we were talking about, as saved people, God wants us to be separate. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Be set apart unto God. Be different from the, from the world and the things of the world. You're not the same as them. You need to reflect Jesus Christ. Come out from among them. Don't let it influence your life, and so on, because you're set apart to God. Okay? That was the basics of what we were talking about. But we were talking about something even, like, something specific. Like the things that we listen to, like music, for example, you can listen to secular music. And there might be some secular music that it's not bad. Uh, you know, it, 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 in and of itself, it's not bad. There's some that could be really bad. And just because you listen to secular music doesn't mean that you're a horrible sinner. But you know what's something that is true about a spiritual man, a spiritual person? I, I have I admitted in my class, you know what, there have been times I've listened to secular music and I've liked it. You listen to a country song and you liked it? You horrible sinner! But you know what is different about a saved person? A saved person cannot continually feed himself on that which is secular. A saved person has got to have something that feeds his soul. And you can't go too long with a diet of that kind of thing as a spiritual person. A spiritual person, you know what? The, the things of God, they're, they're, they're a fountain of life. And you start listening to Godly music or things that exalt God that talk about the Lord and talk about salvation and talk about the blood of Christ and talk about the goodness of God and talk about who God is and there's something that just feeds the soul. I need that. It's so refreshing. It's so good. It speaks to me on a level that is so much deeper and so much bigger than something secular. It doesn't feed the soul. The natural man doesn't get that, doesn't understand that. There's no life in it. But to the spiritual man, the things of God and the spiritual things, they're a fountain of life for his soul. Are you here? Do you understand? The spiritual man has the ability to understand. He judgeth all things. He's capable of understanding. He loves God. 
It's food for his soul. He's hungry for it. He delights in the things of God. And you know what is a, a huge, huge indicator of whether somebody is a spiritual man or not? When this book right here is something that he loves for his life. You know how easy for it is for religious people who are lost people to? If they even bring their Bible to church. The rest of the week, that thing sits on the shelf and has no part of my life. It has no say in what I do today. It has no say in how I think, how my mind is shaped today. There's all kinds of other things that shape how I think today, but not this. But the spiritual man craves and hungers for the things of God, and he can't live without this. Does that mean you have to read your Bible every single day? No, it doesn't mean that if you don't read your Bible every day that you're not a saved person. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean if there's no hunger in your soul for truth from God, you are not a spiritual person. You don't have the Spirit of God living within. Which man are you? The spiritual man can understand he loves the things of God. Go to Psalm 119. We read this morning in Psalm 119 for our, our scripture reading. All of Psalm 119 is the Word of God psalm. It, it speaks about the precepts of God. But we're talking about a love for the Word of God. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says this in, in verse 97. He says, Oh, how I love thy law. It's precious to him. It's dear to him. It is valuable. He's expressing that this thing is something that is held in high regard. It is of great value. I love thy law, he says, and because of that, it is my meditation all the day. It's what his mind goes to all day long. You know how when you love somebody, it's a song by the way, secular, don't go listen to it. <laughs> when you love somebody, you love something, you just think about it all the time. You think about the person all the time. Because you have affinity for them, affection for them, love for them. It's like, my mind will go back. My mind will go back. My mind will go back. The psalmist says, I love the law of God. It's my meditation all the day. He chews on it, thinks about it, loves it, because it's valuable to him. That's what a spiritual man is like. Does that describe you? Because that will be evidenced in a person who is truly saved. Go to Psalm 42. If it doesn't describe you and you don't really get what I'm talking about, then maybe you need to go back to the natural man and admit that that's what you are. Psalm 42 in verse 1, As the heart, that's a deer, panteth after the water brooks, 
So panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He's like, just like a deer who's been running and running. He's just panting after the water brooks. He needs water. It's, it's, he needs it for his very life. So my soul panteth after thee, O God. I need it for life. Wow. Very distinctly different things. The natural man and the spiritual man. And people say they're religious and people will go to church and they're like, oh, we're, I'm good with God. I did my religious duty for the week. But that's as far as it goes. There's nothing like this. My soul pants after God. I need Him. I need the things of God. Psalm 63. Psalm 63 in verse 1. O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I've seen Thee in the sanctuary. The psalmist says, my soul longs and thirsts after God, and it's a dry and a weary land out here. How much does a man who's been struggling through the desert for two days with no water, how much does he crave and long for something to refresh his soul? Look at Psalm 84. Psalm 84 and verse 2. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Crieth out there. It means a yearning for the presence of God. That's what my soul craves. The ability to receive and understand the truth of God. Listen, that doesn't depend on somebody's IQ. Oh, I just don't understand this book. I'm just not smart enough. Oh, no. It doesn't just depend on somebody's IQ. It doesn't depend on somebody's academic abilities. It's accomplished through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God in a life of a believer who is yielded to Him. In John chapter 16, I'll just read this to you quickly. John chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus says this. He says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit of God is the one who shows you truth. There are many things of God that I don't understand still. But all the things that God wants me to know about Him are right here. And sometimes there are things that are hard to understand in here. And the Apostle Peter even said this of the Apostle Paul. The things that Paul wrote sometimes are hard to be understood. But you know what? It's not up to me and my IQ or my acumen to 
discern the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit who enlightens me and gives me understanding of His Word. In fact, there are things that I've read so many times in this book, and I understand basically what it means, but then at some other time I'm reading along, and all of a sudden, boom, the Spirit of God gives me a new application or a new understanding of it. Like, whoa, I never saw that there before. Wow! It's not because of me at all. It's the Holy Spirit of God who just opens up my understanding to discern that which is spiritual. And every child of God, every Christian has the very same thing about them. You don't have to be a pastor or go to Bible college to understand that. In fact, let me tell you something. There are many regular saints of God who know more about God and His Word than some preachers who have multiple doctorates to their name. That's awesome. That's wonderful because it's the Spirit of God who gives the understanding. The spiritual man, the point I'm making in all of this is the spiritual man is drawn to the things of God and to the truth of God, just like mosquitoes are drawn to the light (laughs) or a moth is drawn to the light. It's like it can't get away from it. It goes to it. The spiritual man is drawn to the things of God because it's a fountain of life for him. There's some things that are revealed in this verse about the spiritual man. First of all, he's capable of understanding. Secondly, he's the cause of amazement to many. Go back to 1 Corinthians and note this in verse 15. I'm about done here. Now you know why I said we're going to finish it up in the afternoon. People are getting hungry. In 1 Corinthians 2, look at verse 15 again. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. He's able to understand. Yet he himself is judged of no man. We use the same definition for the word, able to understand, right? Yet he himself is understood of no man. In other words, he is the cause of amazement to many. The phrase, he himself is judged of no man, it means that the lost man or the world just can't figure him out. He and his life are a mystery to the natural men around him. You know what? The saved person will often baffle his co-workers or her co-workers. Like, I don't get you. I don't understand you. You're different. You're weird. Yeah, well, that's true. Or maybe it's some tragedy, some trial in life, and the way that the spiritual man responds with a measure of peace that's given to him from God, or joy in, even in trial, faith that I believe in God in the midst of trial. Maybe he has a way of living about him that has some standards or some convictions that he lives out his life. He doesn't do it obnoxiously. Just this is the way I am and how I live because that's what God has put inside of me. And the unsaved people in the world are like, man, I just don't, you're, you're strange. You understand this? This is what he's saying. Yet he himself is judged of no. He, people, the natural man doesn't understand The spiritual man is a constant source of amazement to the world and 
a constant source of amazement to the carnal as well. And we're going to get to the carnal man in just a little while this afternoon. The question that needs to be asked again as we draw this to a close, which of these characterizes your life? The natural man or the spiritual man? Which one describes you? And let me just close by saying this, friend. The unsaved or the natural person, God wants to make them different. God wants to make you spiritual. He wants to give you of His Spirit. But you've got to have a heart that admits what you are, a heart that is repentant, and a change of mind about what I am, and turns to God. The natural man, the one who goes through this life and then he passes from this life still unsaved, is going to face eternal judgment for their sin. In other words, if the Spirit of God shows you I'm still a natural man, it's not okay to stay there, is the point. God wants to make you new and different. And there's a particular way that that happens. And if God is speaking to you, maybe you have some questions. I, I think I'm a natural man. I'm unsaved. I'm lost. But I want to be saved. Well, let me take the Word of God and point you to Jesus Christ and show how He can change your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, for Your Word. And Lord, I pray that the truth of God's Word today would resonate in hearts. Lord, that there would be some honest evaluation today. My natural man, my unsaved, or woman, or my spiritual. Do I really have the Spirit of God living in me? Do I crave the things of God, the Word of God? Are spiritual things and the truths of God a fountain of life to me? Do they order my life? There's just such a distinct difference when we're made a new creature, a new creation in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that if there are some today that are lost, Lord, that you'd be revealing that to them. They would understand their condition and, Lord, have a repentant heart that's willing to turn and, Lord, to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.